Since you enjoy this show, I thought I'd throw out there another podcast you might like. It's a show about the intersection of design, technology, and the creative process. It's the Design Better podcast. And in each episode, hosts Eli Woolery and Aaron Walter bring you conversations with inspiring creative thinkers like John Cleese and David Sedaris, people who bring design and technology together like Tony Fadal, co-inventor of the iPhone and the iPod. So far, some standout episodes for me have been when they talk to John Cleese of Monty Python about creativity. That is one of my favorite topics and one of my favorite people. Then also one of my favorite musicians, Tycho, about his creative process. And they talk with Seth Godin about how creativity is an act of generosity. I've always been fascinated by design, the creativity behind it, the implementation of it, both to improve our lives from a functionality and user interface standpoint, also from an artful bringing beauty into the world approach. So whether you're a design curious person like me or a design pro, Design Better is a great listen that inspires and informs. Subscribe to the Design Better podcast at designbetterpodcast.com or in your favorite podcast app like the one you're using right now. and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to share with you a conversation I had with Kim Foley. She's got a brand new book out called Virtual Meetings with Power and Presence, The Ultimate Guide to Online Meetings. And that's exactly what we talk about in this conversation. We go all over the place into the many different aspects there are, some you might not even be aware of, that come into play with all these virtual meetings that we've had to take. We get into video quality and sound quality, setting up a space to look good in terms of framing, but also then how to make you yourself look good and how to carry yourself so that not only do you present well, but also so that you look like you're participating well. We talk about lighting and even internet speed and Wi-Fi. So this is going to be a really great primer so that even if you've got some of this stuff worked out for yourself, This will give you a great reference point to be able to come back to and say, oh, yeah, I hadn't thought about that one thing or I hadn't thought about this thing or, you know, sitting or standing or how I position my microphone, my camera, my lighting, my background, all of that stuff, how you go about being present in an online meeting the best way that you can. Though this may not be something that you want to think about, this conversation can and will definitely help you up your virtual meeting game. So I'll just get out of the way and say, enjoy this conversation with Kim Foley. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show, Kim Foley. Kim, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So this is a topic we've never covered. And I think it's definitely something that needs to be covered because we've covered meetings, we've covered, you know, how to do good meetings and all of that. And and that still applies to a point here. But this is all of the other aspects of meetings when they're done virtually, which, I mean, if you're like me, you've had many conversations like this done virtually, but also uh, you've had many virtual meetings throughout this past year, especially, uh, although, you know, prior to that point, a lot of us were not strangers to that. We just weren't at that frequency of having to do it. So we weren't forced to address, you know, our own shortcomings when it came to that. You've written a book, Virtual Meetings with Power and Presence, The Ultimate Guide to Online Meetings. And I love this. I mean, as soon as I heard it, I was like, we've never talked about this before. Uh, I got to talk to Kim. (laughs) (laughs) Great. I'm so glad to hear it. So, so I, yeah. yeah, if you wouldn't mind, I would love to hear some of your experience, I, I guess, especially prior to the the pandemic and uh, 2020, but then how you pivoted, because this is, a, you know, we all had to, or we all have to still, because we're, some of us are still dragging our feet for that matter. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Well, you know, I work... In, you know, in video production, I've worked with television networks and celebrities and sports figures. And, you know, I, I've been in television production for 
about 30 years. What's amazing is I've never had to do a virtual meeting before the pandemic. And uh, I'm a television stylist, I'm a video producer, and I'm a media trainer. So I have three different hats, depending on what my client needs. And I've got a lot of experience in all three areas. Now, <laughs> before COVID, I was doing everything in-house, either in my studio or, you know, I'd fly to some city and work with their teams and teach video production, how to do broadcast quality video with a smartphone. And because a lot of companies, even though they had in-house video production, wanted to learn how to do quick turnaround videos and do it in the field. And so they would bring me in to train their teams how to do this. Well, all of a sudden, all my contracts got canceled last March, just boom, like that. Everything just disappeared and went away. And I, I immediately did not think how I could make this pivot. You know, like how can I, you know, train people in media training and, and television styling and, and video production virtually? I just didn't see how that was going to work. And so after I cried for a while, <laughs> I decided to you know, get on these platforms and try to learn the different platforms and then contact my clients and say, let's see what we can do to help you virtually. And let's try this out. But what I first noticed was in the very first meeting that it's exactly the same thing as video production. And that had not occurred to me that you've got to light it. You've got to get great audio. You've got to frame it correctly. And you've got to understand how you're being perceived because your body language is more than half of the communication. So you really need to get that, you know, that body language right. So I started just watching my clients, listening to them. And what I was hearing was people really hated this platform because they didn't like how they looked. That was one thing. They were struggling to learn the technology. I think most people have somewhat mastered that, or at least they're over the intimidation of it. Um, but not liking how they look is baffling them. And nobody wants to look foolish. You know, years ago when people were doing virtual meetings all these you know, past years, it was usually people that were behind the scenes. It wasn't people who were dealing with the board or dealing with maybe clients. And so now everybody who had to be the front face of, of the organization or law firm or, or corporation was forced to do this daily or weekly. And uh, they did not like what they were seeing and they did not like that they didn't know how to fix it. And I have had more problems, particularly with men asking for help, much more so than women, um, saying, what can I do to make this better? I just look like I'm, you know, in a horror movie here with my dark background <laughs> and bad lighting. And, you know, I, I don't understand this. And so, um, you know, luckily, HR people and communication directors bring me in to, to train teams so that people really don't get a choice. They just get thrown to me and then I fix it all with them, you know, because let's face it, your situation for virtual meetings and my situation are completely different. I can't recommend the same thing to every single person. Everybody, some people are, you know, in their kitchen. Some people are in their dining room. Some people have kids running around. Some people are in their basement. Everybody has a different issue. So I have to customize what I'm doing to every single person's individual needs. And I like that. You know, I think that's challenging and fun. I make people run all over their house and get lamps and <laughs> boxes to put their their computers on. Food, you know, get some stack some food up and let's, you know, get your computer, whatever, whatever it takes to get that computer right. That's how it started. And, you know, all of a sudden I realized I had all this great information once I started analyzing my clients. And that's when I wrote the book. And it was I, I, if you had told me last February that I was going to write a book and it was going to be out in September on virtual meetings, I would have said, you're crazy. I've never even done one. And I've written a really good book. So I'm really proud of it. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is. I can, I can attest to that. And, and the great thing is, is that, you know, some people say, well, you never wrote a book before and you never did a virtual meeting before. But the way that you brought your production skills and problem solving through that lens to this particular problem is what makes it credible. And, and I can attest to that because, you know, having gone through the book and having done many virtual meetings and wrestled with this myself, there's gold here for everybody who has been wrestling with this for the past year, year and a half or more, because right. they're just not used to this and, and, you know, and their, and their location changed. So they don't know necessarily, you know, location may change just between, you know, different settings in their house and they've got to have it readily available, you know, okay, this day, you know, because schedules change and kids change and, you know, 
uh, routines change. So mm-hmm. they've yeah. got to, they've got to do it multiple. They've got to have multiple setups like I do in, in different scenarios. And so they have to get this skill set and, uh, setup set, uh, adaptability down basically. They do. They do. And, and I, I think that I love that you do so much on productivity because your podcast is very valuable to people. And, um, you know, how do you increase the productivity and reduce the stress in virtual meetings? That's sort of how I see myself as a person who can help you, you know, do two things, you know, really be perceived as the expert that you are and be credible but also try to take the stress out of this whole thing because it is stressful getting, you know, you've got to make sure your hair looks good and you're dressed appropriately. And, you know, and, and then people forget something like, you know, posture and they lean forward or they lean back and they just ruin it all. You know, like I, I had one meeting with a, a, a group of physicians in healthcare and, you know, one guy who was leading it was leaning back in his chair, you know, like, you know, kind of like an easy chair, you know, just sort of really leaning back. And, you know, it's a wide angle lens. So it really distorts. If you lean forward, it makes your head look too big. And if you lean back, it makes it look small. So he was looking very small and, and tired. And, you know, the body language was, you know, I really care about this. This is what it was saying. And if he did, it wasn't that at all. He, he just didn't understand that, you know, just because you're tired doesn't mean you should sit back in your chair, put a pillow behind you so to, you can support your back and really sit up straight with your shoulders over your hips totally changes the way people view you. So you don't want to lean forward. You don't want to lean back because of the wide angle lens. You want to look straight up and down. What we're really trying to do here, Eric, is to simulate an in-person meeting. That's all we're trying to do. We're trying to simulate that as best as we can. And if we frame it properly and we light it properly and we're not leaning back or leaning forward, the eye feels much more comfortable talking to the other person. Don't you agree? Yeah. Oh, totally. I've, I've been in so many in-person meetings as well as virtual meetings. And, uh, you know, my, I have a degree in communications. And one of the things that fascinated me was all of the different calm theory uh, aspects of it. And, and one that I cling to was just the different hierarchies of, um, communication when it came to text or, uh, face to face or audio or video. And, and that, and that we're relying, I mean, one of the things that I've, everybody's thrown around term wise has been this thing called Zoom fatigue. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's not that just that we're tired of virtual meetings. It's that we're tired of using or overusing certain skill sets in, virtual meetings because we're overcompensating because we're getting, we're getting less information. I mean, we're still able to see visual cues of um, facial expressions and tone of voice and things like that in meetings, but there's a barrier to entry, so to speak. It's, it's like I recently I'm old enough now. I'm recently had to get glasses and (laughs) I've been thinking it's on my mind. So I'm constantly thinking about this. And what I was told by the eye doctor was, well, you've not noticed you've needed them because your eyes have been overcompensating and overcorrecting for so long. And I said, well, then that's where all those headaches have been coming from. And so that was kind of like my analog version of Zoom fatigue for, for everybody who's staring at a screen and trying to read people's facial expressions even more because they're not right in front of them physically or next to them, et cetera. They're through the technology, which, which removes some context and visual cues. Two-dimensional. Yeah, it's, it's, it's true. Um, And then people also are too close to the camera. They haven't moved back. So we're getting this, um, this sense that people are too, you know, too close. They're, in our personal space. And, um, people also, you know, I've got a really funny story. Someone was, you know, talking to me about their backgrounds. You know, people have a lot of questions. Should I do virtual backgrounds? Should I not do virtual backgrounds? You know, how can I make my background look better? Is it okay that it's just simple? You know, all of these are things I get every day. And I had, you know, normally I try to say, you know, steer people away from virtual backgrounds because if they don't have a green screen, they just key out and it looks terrible yeah. and the edges are wavy and it's, it's horrendous. So, you know, when I'm dealing with presenters or speakers, I can teach them how to use virtual backgrounds in a way that they don't look like a virtual background because I'm a video professional. So, but, you know, I had this, this one woman, you know, contact me about this and this was the strangest thing. She said, um, I, I haven't, I'm 
was sent to you because I don't like turning on my camera. And everybody is always turning on their camera and they're always wondering why I don't turn on my camera. So they thought maybe you could help me out. And I said, well, could you tell me why you don't like to turn on your camera? Is it because you don't like how you look? She goes, oh no, it's not because of that. It's because I inherited a art collection Uh, way beyond my means, you know, like I would never have this art collection and I've inherited it. And now I have it all over my room and you can see my whole room. You can see my sculptures and my paintings and stuff. And I don't want people to know I have this. I don't want people (laughs) looking in on my, my personal space. I don't want them seeing I have it. I mean, I, I just really don't, I think feel like it's very personal. And so I said, Oh, wow. I have never heard that before. (laughs) I mean, what a reason, right? Usually people are hiding their dishes, you know, but I said, Oh, we, we definitely have to do a virtual background on you. Then you're going to have to get a green screen. We're going to do this right. So that that was one of the more unusual things I came across, you know. And sometimes people are embarrassed at, you know, where they live or where they have to do it in their house. Like I had a woman from a very large accounting firm, a big eight, okay? And she was going to speak to 40,000 employees the next day by video. And she contacted me in an absolute panic because she said, I have four kids. I've got to speak to 40,000 employees and I've, I know how to work the technology, but I'm in my bedroom. I don't really think I have any credibility with my bed in the background. And so, uh, you know, we, we worked for an hour to rearranging her room and figuring out what we could bring in plant wise and, you know, lamp-wise, to not make it look like a bedroom at all. We did not see the bed. And, you know, we moved a mirror that was reflecting the bed. You know, we had to do some finagling, but it looked perfectly professional when we were done. And she was thrilled because she just felt like it was just so horrible to be in her bedroom doing this. And I agree, it was not the right space, but with four kids running around, what was she going to (laughs) do? Right. So, yeah. Well, let's let's keep going with this. There's aspects to this that I think I I would overall macro categorize categorize this in, which one is the visual aspect and let's let's stay in that vein in terms of let's talk background, let's talk lighting, let's talk camera. Obviously, then I want to shift over and add in audio. This is a podcast, so mm-hmm. you know, that that's really you know, important to me, although I mm-hmm. will often not use my professional podcasting stuff i will use what's quick and easy you know that sounds good enough and that's fine sure 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 no you don't need what you're using for podcasting isn't even the right thing for this medium yeah it's just a a bit overkill and it can it it can obstruct visually so yes yes that's why that's why yeah we Um, don't want any barrier we don't want any barrier at all yeah well let's talk visual and there's so much to say here do you want to start with personal image or do you want to start with overall framing and lighting you know what, since we're already on that background aspect, since you gave those examples, let's continue with that. So let's talk, you know, what if somebody suddenly has to do meetings and they have literally no space that they can think of? You know, let's start from that low hanging fruit of, okay, let's find a place. And then what mm-hmm. do we need to do to that place? And then move into lighting and into camera that, okay. that way. And then we'll so, move into personal. Okay. Um, so... Um, I'm in a tiny little corner. You know, I just have a little tiny corner in the back of a room that's very limited. Um, you know, my back is probably f- five feet from the, from the wall. And, uh, I have a table with a, um, a thing on top of the table that ex- expands to make my computer higher. I used boxes for the first six months. You know, Amazon boxes would stack, I'd stack up and put up. So the key is, What we want to achieve is to simulate the in-person meeting. So the only thing I'm concerned about here is that you get your camera eye level. That is, if you do one thing from this podcast, it's get your camera eye level, not kind of eye level, truly eye level. And if you're using a laptop, it can be tricky because now all of a sudden your keyboard is chest level, which feels really weird to people. But believe me, I've adjusted to it and I can type and change my slides and do anything I need to do. Um, even though I stand at least two feet back from the computer so that you can see more of my body and my body language. So the framing should be that your head should be at the top of the frame and the bottom of yourself that should be chest level. So you shouldn't be shoulders up. You need to step back and get a little wider so that you're filling the frame. You are filling the frame. They can see 
all kinds of examples of this on my YouTube channel or on LinkedIn, any place I'm Kim Foley video all over the place. You can see so many videos and so many examples of this. Fill the frame up with you. That's critical. So you don't want to look small. You want to look big, but you want to show more of your body. Now, the next thing is I stand when I do virtual meetings. If I have them back to back all day, it can get tiring and I will bring in a, a chair that's high that, you know, can lift up and down and I'll sit, I'll sit down occasionally. But most of the time I stand. And the reason I do that is because my back feels better at the end of the day. It's, you know, personal choice for just feeling good. I play tennis. I walk. You know, I really want to feel good. And sitting just killed my back. So standing not only gives me more power and more presence because I can use my body language. I can get on a hip. I can move around a little bit more and create some dynamic interaction for the viewer. So if you're just locked down like that, it's really hard to use body language. So by standing up and getting back away from the camera a bit, you change the whole feeling of what you're doing. So if you ever have a presentation versus a meeting, it's a great thing to do. But remember, you've got to bring that camera up to eye level. Once you bring it up eye level, I want you to tilt the screen forward a tiny bit to get rid of any ceiling or any overhead lights, anything we see in the background, a ceiling fan, just pull it forward a tiny bit and you will get rid of that. So that's the two tweaks. Eye level, tilt the screen forward. Now, if you're using a desktop, you have a little bit of tilt there, but you still have to make sure that that's eye level. Whether you're sitting or you're standing, it doesn't matter. You've got to be eye level. And that desktop usually has a little bit of a variation of tilt, so you could tilt it forward to help too. So that's the framing aspect of this. Yeah, and and I've got a, I've got a bamboo kind of standing desk stand. Mm-hmm. I'll put that in the show notes. It's called X Stand. I did a Kickstarter for that, and uh, I know the owners now, and they're really uh, friends with me. Um, that is exactly what that's great for. Is that you could stand at a desk, set this down on the desk, and then put the laptop on top of that, and mm-hmm. it brings it up to eye level, and so. It saved me tons of times. It has also been a really great kind of remote uh, ergonomic workstation. If you have a you know a Bluetooth keyboard and a, and a mouse, you can set. If, if you're sitting and working for a, without doing a meeting, um, it it brings the screen of the laptop up to eye level instead mm. of hunch, hunching over. So that's great. Yeah, that's fantastic. So I it's love very that. versatile. So, Excellent. Yeah. yeah, I love that. And now the next aspect of, you know, this, this whole thing is, is now you need to light it. So let's talk about a couple, three little elements of lighting. The first thing is you need light on yourself, not from the side, not from behind you, but in front of your face. So the light source you're using needs to be in front of you, basically behind your computer screen. That's where it has to be. And it can be a table lamp. It can be a desk lamp. It can be something you hang from the ceiling. It can be uh, a ring light. Whatever it is you like, you can use. It doesn't matter what it is. It just has to be in the right place so it doesn't like look like you have big circles under your eyes and you know darkness. It really, you, you will look ill if you don't light yourself correctly. So getting that light towards your face is critical. But you also have to remember the background, we've all seen this, can't be dark and foreboding. I was watching a sports program the other day, and one of my, the talent that I've worked with for years was doing a remote guest speaker on one of the major networks, and he did not turn any lights on in his room. So he was brightly lit, and then there was this dark, foreboding look in the background. It looked like a horror movie. And so um, when the commercial was over and he came back, the lights were on. So someone must have called him (laughs) and said, get those lights on in the background. You want light in the background. You want to light up your background so that it doesn't look, again, dark and foreboding. And so um, it shouldn't be brighter than you. But you do have to make sure there's some light back there. And, you know, you can use a pole lamp that reflects off the ceiling and gives you some ambient light, whatever it takes. Um, I go, you know, into extreme detail when I'm working with clients and we make it happen together so that at the end of the session, they look a lot different than they did at the front. Because sometimes it just takes another pair of eyes and trying different things to get things to, to work. So, the you know, we've covered now the lighting aspect of this. Um, And then the visuals are how, you know, how much of you is seen. Step back, make sure it's chest up or wider. 
and fill the screen. Your head should not have inches and inches from the top. It should be close to the top, but not cut off. And, you know, that's super critical. And then the other, you know, visual aspect that people never think about is look at the color that you're wearing, because if you blend in with the background, that's not giving you any power or presence. You want to separate yourself from the background. And this is why there's a television stylist on every set is because we not only do makeup and hair, and but we pick your wardrobe based on what's the background so you're separated from it. So if I have teal on, I don't want to be against a blue wall. If I have gray on, I don't want to be against a gray wall. I did see um, Jamie Raskin on The View the other day in a black suit, sitting in a black chair with an almost black background. And he just has black hair. So you can only imagine how this looked on camera. I mean, he just, you know, it was just dark and it was hard to tell where his body stopped and where it began. So we need to understand that if we're in a black chair and people can see the chair, we need to be wearing a charcoal gray or navy blue, um, not black. So as a matter of fact, video hates black. Video hates white and video hates black. So if you can avoid those two colors and go to what we call mid-tone colors, um, the camera will love it because it won't screw up the exposure. So I give examples of those colors in my book. You probably saw that. And um, when I'm working with people, you're all about productivity. I am too. I give people checklists because if I don't send out checklists afterwards, I'm giving them so much information. They are not going to retain this. I mean, so I give them a checklist to prepare for their meeting. What is that? You know, it's like, you know, get your internet maximized. How do I do that? You know, (laughs) and you know, you've had meetings where people have cut out or it sounds like they're a robot when they're talking and that's an internet connection issue. And so you can't control other people's internet that you're listening to, but you certainly can control your own and you should learn how to reboot your router so that you can, you know, it, it turns out that the engineers at WebEx and Zoom told me that if you reboot your router regularly, like every three weeks, pull the plug out of the back, put it back in after 10 seconds, you jump your bandwidth. So you've purchased a certain amount of bandwidth. And over time, it's, it gets smaller and smaller. It gets clogged almost. It just stops giving you that amount of bandwidth. And by rebooting, it jumps it up a good 80%. So it totally changes the way you're interacting on these meetings in terms of delays and audio problems and cutting off and et cetera. So one of the ways I want people to prepare is to make sure that they have, you know, keep a date calendar on their calendar of when they rebooted so they can remember to do it and to reboot their device. If you're working on a phone or a tablet or a computer, some people have not rebooted their device for weeks. I mean, I'm shocked by that because I reboot mine every single night. And by rebooting it, you clear the RAM and you get all the dedicated bandwidth toward what you need. You don't need all these programs running in the background that you've long ago forgotten about taking up your bandwidth. So these are um, pre-preparation things that people need to be doing before their virtual meeting to ensure that they don't have stalling and you know hesitation and cutting off and all of these things that we see. Um, you also may have other people in your household streaming things like schoolwork or other people doing meetings. So you want to make sure that everybody's rebooting, clearing out what's running in the background, and you want to make sure that you are, in fact, turning off your device and rebooting your router if you've got lots of other people streaming with you. So I'm the problem solver here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and and what I just realized as I was listening to you was I do not reboot mine as often as I probably should. And I can even do that uh, I, when I drop my daughter off at school for carpool. Um, I can literally through the app on my phone, go to my router and just say reboot and it will oh, and it'll do so. And, you oh, know, good. and then maybe do a, a full unplug uh, once, you know, once every few yeah. weeks or something, but even rebooting it, like I can do that fairly quickly and easily and have it do that while I'm no one's in the house. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, it only takes 10 seconds, literally. So yeah. it's, it's not something that's going to interrupt anybody's life really. Um, so it, but it's really important. You know, it used to be, we only rebooted if we were having trouble with HBO, you know, <laughs> we were having some kind of issue and we couldn't figure out something and we go, okay, I'll reboot it. And it was like twice a year. Right. And now, you know, people have to do it. Now, if you're hardwired in, that isn't your problem. You know, it's, I'm talking for people on Wi-Fi. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and, and yeah. that I am on hardwire. So, you know, and, and, and I hardwire the most important things. And then even on Wi-Fi, they, you know, most routers will have some sort of software or, or, you know, app option to be able to go in and prioritize which devices have high priority. So, you know, you prioritize your laptop or your desktop or your phone. If you're using the phone to do the meeting or, you know, which if you've got better options, do it. How, all, well. Let me say this. One of the things that's interesting to me is the fact that pretty much every Apple mobile device right now has a better camera than their desktop or laptop options. They're still stuck at 720p. Yeah, for their, that's true. It's, that's it's true. pretty embarrassing. I'm really thinking Apple. Okay, you you missed yeah. the go- you missed the the boat on this one for the pandemic. Well, they may, yeah they may next generation improve that camera. Although the camera's not bad. I mean, you look at me. I look really great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I'm saying that because I'm well lit. You know, right, I mean, if exactly. you give these if you give these tiny little cameras what they need, they're not bad. I mean, I bought a very expensive webcam to test it against my MacBook Pro, and there was such a tiny bit of difference. You could not. You could not even see it. I mean, I, I could barely see it. And I went, it's not worth having the webcam when when the MacBook Pro has a perfectly good. Now, if you have a much, 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 much older computer, I would suggest getting a webcam. Yeah. And uh, I, I like the Logitech webcams. They make really good ones. I and, do, too. Yeah. 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 I think I've got the the Brio, which does, you know, 4K. And it's a huge difference for me. Yeah. I, think yeah. the, I think the thing I'm noticing and, and you know, not to just stay on Apple stuff. But the thing that I notice is that Apple does so much with their software tied to their hardware camera wise that it compensates and, you know, uh, does, does a bunch of those tweaks light lighting wise for you to a certain extent. Yeah. Not always, but to, you know, yeah. to a good extent, it's, it's worth, you know, checking out if that's what, you know, if that's what you're stuck with yeah. or yeah. if you're hard, if you've got a meeting and your hardware dies and you, you use your phone. Well, so actually that's a great question. Like, what it so say say i'm say i have my pre-flight checklist and i'm going mm-hmm. through it and then i'm having major tech issues with my normal setup and i have to use my phone what mm-hmm. do you do in that scenario oh very easy you you should everybody should have a tripod in their house for 36 bucks you can buy a polaroid very inexpensive tripod that goes up to 72 inches okay on amazon and for $5, you can get a little screw-on holder for your phone. This is the simplest thing, you know, to do. And Or you can buy, for around 50 bucks, you can buy a ring light that you have to make sure you get one that gets high enough for you, okay? Because a lot of these ring lights don't tell you how high they get. And, you know, if you're over 5'2", you need to get one that goes as high as you are because you're you want to make sure that your camera's eye level, remember. Not that the light is eye level. The camera has to be eye level. So you have to be careful of that. But I did buy one recently um, that I really like. I'm testing things all the time for clients um, that will light you and hold your phone. There you go. And you've got, you know, because it's really important. And if you don't want to bother with a ring light, then just get a tripod with a little holder, you know, a little uh, iPhone holder. And they're under 10 bucks on Amazon that you just screw onto your tripod and make sure you put it in front of a window so that you're facing the window. And now you've got this soft ambient light coming on you, lighting you and, um, you know, check out your background, make sure it's neat and cleaned up. But that's a great way to, in a hurry, look fabulous on your iPhone on a meeting or an iPad is to, you know, and there's also iPad holders for tripods and they're very inexpensive. So I would say if you have an iPad or an iPhone, you can look fantastic. You just have to remember your framing. Remember, widen out, fill the frame. Don't do a shoulders up thing, make it wider and get in front of some light, whether it's artificial light or window is even better. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent 
fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We did talk a little bit already about, you know, our own visual presentation of ourselves. Um, obviously, you know, working from home, it can be difficult to stay on a tight grooming schedule, <laughs> especially when you're like, ah, it's just a video call. I'll just, I'll just jump on and it's not a big deal, but, uh, you know, do what you can. But, and, and you talked about dressing and, and, uh, or, or, you know, wardrobe and color scheme. But what about, you know, how, how do you dress up enough without overdressing? Uh, for yeah. for that meeting, there's a new there's a new dress for success. There really is um, because it's kind of contrived. Unless you're uh, going to court virtually, you know, <laughs> if you're going to court virtually, you want a suit on. A lot of my clients are big corporate clients who are still wearing suits every day because they're seeing clients. But if you're in house and you're not seeing clients, you know, people are wearing dress shirts, and maybe a tie, maybe not. Most of the time, not. And uh, if you're going to wear a dress shirt, you want to make sure you've done a couple of things. It's got to be ironed. It should not be white. It should not be dark. Mid-tone. So medium colors of, you know, coral, pink, lavender, basic blue Oxford shirts, the camera loves. I mean, get a couple of different shades of blue Oxford shirts and you're done with your dress shirt. Um, And then for people, my buddies who are all in the tech world, because I deal with a lot of artists and art museums and techie people, um, you know, they don't wear blue Oxford shirts. They, they like to wear a t-shirt with maybe a jacket or a t-shirt and a hoodie, or, you know, there's different, there's different language, you know, there's a whole language to clothing and different industries dress different ways. So who am I seeing today is your first thought. Who am I seeing? Am I seeing a colleague or am I seeing a superior? Am I seeing somebody that a client maybe? And who is that client? If it's a more corporate client, let's get more corporate looking. I mean, you don't forget about your own personal style and taste. This is not about you. You have a product, an idea, or something you're trying to uh, sell most likely and, um, or teach someone or, you know, so and I have a lot of professors that, that contact me as well. And professors are notoriously bad dressers. And, and I don't know why that is, but tweeds don't look great on camera. The, the pattern can't be read by the video. So we have to understand this is not like looking in the mirror. What you look like in the mirror has nothing to do with what this video camera sees. And that's what people don't get. And they go, God, I look fine when I left the bathroom. And now I come down here, I look terrible. So go to mid-tone solids, solid things. If you have to have a print in that shirt or that jacket, make sure it's so minimal, you don't notice it. Stay around from away from weak colors. There's a psychological impact of color. So olive green, tan, brown of any color, any shade of brown or taupe. Do not wear these on camera. They test very poorly and people see it as too earthy and weak. Go for charcoal grays if you're a guy or navy blue or don't go darker than that, please. Um, You know, different shades of grays are great. Um, Shirt colors can be, you know, something, a soft pastel shirt color. And they're not going to really notice the color so much, but not white because that just changes the exposure. So, you know, I hope this helps. And for women, solid colors, no prints, whether you're wearing a blouse um, or, uh, you know, a shell under a jacket, you can wear a a light colored shell and then a mid-tone solid color jacket. If you don't like colors and you're a person like me who likes blacks and grays and neutrals, um, tough. (laughs) Pick up a red or a teal blue or a royal blue jacket and wear the heck out of it when you need to see clients because it will keep you memorable. It the camera loves it. Your complexion will look great, but black and and uh, dark colors don't do anything for anyone on camera, and that's why they they don't like people wearing them on camera. Now, one of the other things that I'm thinking of visually, which you already uh, partially addressed, is the way you frame yourself with the camera. Uh, the way that you um, 
you know, display yourself in terms of wardrobe. But one of the other aspects I'm thinking of, which goes way beyond just the, hey, make sure to look at the camera, is your presence on camera. Do you have any tips mm-hmm. in terms of how do I carry myself? Yeah. As, and, well, you, you know, you mentioned standing earlier, which makes yeah. a huge difference. Huge difference. But if you don't want to be a stander, that's fine. But what I do want you to do is check yourself and see if your hips are really right under your shoulders. Because if you're leaning forward or you're leaning back, you're screaming to the world a different story. So you want to be like, I'm really interested in what you're saying. That's what you want to be screaming. You know, I'm really, I'm, I'm really listening here. I'm really engaging with you. So here's the big tip. If you're doing the talking, you are not looking at your screen ever. You are looking into the eye of the camera. Now, this is hard because we are hardwired to look at faces. And so people struggle with this. So what I say is get a post-it note that's a bright color and write, look here on it. Stick it on the back of that you know, laptop screen right where the camera is. So it's sticking up and you see the little look here. And that will keep reminding you to look there. Do not look at yourself. Do not look at the other person and do not preen in any way. Don't, don't push, play with your hair, push your hair out of your face, push your, you know, don't straighten yourself and get, you know, all of these notions are taking away from your credibility and expertise. Come prepared. We all get to sort of look at ourselves before we log into meetings most of the time. So I want you to do all of your preening at that point in terms of getting symmetry with your clothing, getting the the hair in the right place, making adjustments to a microphone if you're wearing a microphone. Um, Do all of that beforehand. The less movement you have in terms of the preening, the better. You want to show up going, I'm totally ready. I'm totally here and I'm ready to go. I am ready because you wouldn't go do that in a boardroom meeting. You wouldn't, you know, hold up a mirror and just start fixing yourself. (laughs) So people forget you're not at home. You're in somebody else's space and you're having a meeting and it's all about your credibility. It's all about how are they perceiving me? Are they perceiving me as the professional or someone who's just taking up space, (laughs) filling the time? Just yeah. hanging in there, you know? So we want to, we want to make sure that we're sending the right messages with our body language, using our hands. I always tell people use more voice inflection and facial movements than you, like now when you talk to a three-year-old, you sort of use a lot more facial gestures and intonation. Do that. Do that. You know, you use a little more energy and a little more emphasis because as you said earlier, it's a two-dimensional, not a three-dimensional. And so, you know, we need that. We need that extra to read how people are feeling, if they're excited about something, if they're passionate about something, if they're angry about something, or if they're disappointed. You also, as um, an employer, need to make sure you're checking in on people and you've got to get them to turn those cameras on. And if they like what they see, they're going to turn the cameras on more. And you're going to be able to check in to make sure they're doing okay, because there are a lot of mental health issues going on with people who are very lonely right now and really struggling with the lack of connection. And so we need to make sure we're checking in and reading that body language because the body language will give them away. They may say, oh, yeah, I'm fine. But look at what the body language is telling you. One other thing I was going to ask is you maybe flip it around and say, how do you show that, not faking it, but showing that you're listening in terms of if you're not the presenter, but you're in the meeting and you want to mm-hmm. put your ba- you know put your best face yeah. or screen forward yeah. in that regard. Okay, couple of things. First is, again, we talked about the posture. Make sure that it looks like you're paying attention and you're sitting up straight. And, and, and it's hard. You're in meetings all day. If you're sitting down, it's tiring. Your back's tired. Make sure you put a lot of pillows, like something solid to support yourself so that you really can lean back on that pillow and it doesn't make you lean back. It can hold you upright. So that's, I really want to impress how important that is and how helpful that is to people. Um, you know, you really can't do that in, enough in terms of body language. The other thing you want to do is a couple of things. You want to, if someone's saying something in the meeting that you really agree with, I want you to nod your head. I want you to nod your head. 
you know, just a nice subtle nod of the head gives good feedback for people and, or maybe a thumbs up, you know, like, oh yeah, I love that idea. It's a great idea. Um, so by shaking your head, yes, you know, turning your head slightly like you're listening and looking, looking at them, trying not to fidget, trying not to do other things. You know, one of the biggest etiquette faux pas in virtual meetings is multitasking. And I know that it's so easy to do because you feel like, you feel like, oh, there's 10 other people there. They're not really looking at me, but it's really important that you don't distract the crowd. So we all know this, that when there's one person who does something like suddenly looks down and starts doing something, you're like, oh my God, what happened? Did they get an email? What's going on? Somebody, you know, and they, or, or else suddenly they, whoosh, they disappear. And you go, where'd they go? I wonder where they're going. Did, <laughs> I wonder what happened. They're just suddenly gone. And so we're all not listening anymore. We're just focused on the action that just happened on the screen. So we're very easily distracted on this medium. So I want you not to be that person. If you need to attend to a child, a pet, answer the door, go to the bathroom, get something to eat or drink because you're, you know, low blood sugar, whatever, turn your camera off. Just turn it off. You can still hear what's going on. And then when you're done dealing with what you have to deal with, you come back on. Okay. That's the proper way to deal with any movement. Say you have an urgent text that just came in. Oh God, somebody's having a baby. Oh, got to deal with this. All right. So if you see a text that you have to deal with, turn your video off, deal with what you have to deal with, and then turn your video on. You don't want any movement other than your head nodding yes you know, you don't want anything to distract from the group and what's going on because it, now you've made it all about you when you start moving around and doing things and shifting your weight and, you know, playing with your hair, shaking your pencil, um, you know, paging through something on your phone. You know, it's, it's now saying, I don't really care about this. I'm, you know, you're screaming something you don't want to really be screaming. So let's be real here. Let's, you know, yeah. let's take responsibility for what we're creating is all perception. Yeah. And not every meeting is interesting. <laughs> not every meeting, <laughs> not every meeting is interesting at all. And I, I encourage people to have less video, you know, meetings because I think it does wear people out because they have to be sitting up straight. They have to be not moving. They have to try to focus. They have to try to not look at everybody else and what they're doing because you may be like, I'm on a you know meeting for a class or something and I'm doing it right. And all these other people are not doing it right. They're moving around. They're leaving. They're, and I'm totally like wondering what's going on with all these people. And I'm not paying attention to the speaker now. And it's very frustrating for me personally to give my attention and see other people not doing that. It's, I think it's tiring. And I think it is fatiguing. So um, this is much harder than working in person. It truly is. That's why there is this fatigue. So I'm, you know, my job is to try to make it easier for you to give you the rules of how to make it easy. If you're just having a bad day or you're really upset about something, don't put your video on. You're not going to be sending the right message to other people. And I don't want you to look for reasons to turn it off. I think you should join in and have the video on. If everybody's got the video on, you should have your video on too. But there are those days or occasions where things aren't going well and you need to protect yourself. Yeah. Or, you know, Take a moment prior to the meeting. If you know you're, I am not in a good space right now, do some self-care before getting on that meeting. If yeah, you know you've got you to can. turn the video on. Yeah, if you can. You know, I have a daughter who has an 18-month-old baby. And, you know, it's crazy how the two, you know, the pair, the two of them are having all-day meetings with an 18-month-old climbing all over them. I mean, you just can't put them in a corner and say, stay there. You know, it's, it's uh, tough. It's really tough. So, so speaking of, you know, having things scream, let's talk about audio for a little bit here. Uh, obviously one of the, the, the big main tips that, you know, is, is a little bit obvious. It's, it's kind of the, okay, make sure to look at the camera kind of obvious thing is mute yourself when at all possible, because you never know what kind of background noise, you know, you, you can try and preemptively stop some of those things, but, um, you know, having mute is, is a lifesaver often. Oh, it is. I have a very loud cat. And so occasionally I have to lock her out of the room, you know, when she's awake to have these meetings and, and webinars and what have you. And I hear her screaming on the other side of the door, (laughs) you know, and it's just really horrible, you know? And so now I have to lock her in an actual room on the other side of the house because, 
you know, it's, she's just meowing to, to be in here with me, but if she's in here with me, she'll walk across the computer. <laughs> so, you know, it's, you know, we're, we're doing the best we can here, but um, I like to encourage people to use external audio because if you can't be heard and you don't sound powerful, um, it's, it's a very bad thing. <laughs> it's very bad. So what do you do? What do you have to get? Well, there are a lot of people who aren't dealing with clients and aren't dealing, you know, they're not dealing out of house. They're just dealing in house. If you want to wear a headset or a headset with a mic, fine. But I think for people who are having meetings with um, higher ups and in, in the, in the public and potential clients and boards, they should be using a lavalier mic. And for 20 bucks, you can buy a lavalier mic that works great, that plugs right into your computer. It's USB. It just plugs right in. And uh, it doesn't have, tons and tons of length. I like the ones that don't have 30 feet of cord to them because, you know, in, in the audio world, the cable uh, is not just a cable, it's an antenna. And so you want to make sure that you don't have interference. So I don't like them when they have lots and lots of cord. And so I have one that has about, I don't know, maybe eight feet of cord here and it's 20 bucks on Amazon. Anybody can email me for a link. You don't have to spend a lot of money. It used to be, I spent a lot of money on on mics, but they've come down in price. And, you know, if you're podcasting, you need a really good Blue Yeti or something excellent. But if you're doing these meetings, having a lavalier mic, uh, you want to make sure that you hide the cord, you put it on a lapel or on a shirt, and you feed it up underneath that shirt so you don't see the cord. And uh, make sure your hair doesn't touch it, because anything that touches it will create a static. And um, you're done. It's just so, so easy to get good audio. I really recommend people not use heads, headphones that have the cord that comes down, you know, with the mic. That's that's for listening to music. You know, it's not really for this medium. Don't use those corded things. When I see people on camera doing this on television, it drives me nuts. And uh, even the earbuds, they work marginally better than nothing. Marginally better. Um, it'll help you with your hearing more than them help, you know, helping you with the mic aspect of it. So um, I recommend just spending the $20 on a lavalier mic. It's such an easy thing to do. When I'm going live and, uh, you know, for various video projects um, where we're uh, needing to kind of keep it clear, you know, right now I'm using big old headphones. I wouldn't do that for that because that's, you know, kind of, I mean, it, it, it plays into the part of, hey, he's doing something, but video-wise and audio-wise. But I've found these clear in ear that then go over your ear and then back behind you, you mm-hmm. can't even, you don't even, you, they're almost literally undetectable. I'll, I'll link to those in the show notes as well. I've had, when, when people have found out that I'm using them, they've, they've said, I didn't even know you were wearing anything. I just wonder yes. how can he hear me with no echo? So, well, does that help you with uh, your audio? Does it help you? Does it pick up your voice? It does help. It, it does give me monitoring capability as well. So I can hear myself as well as hear them. Okay. Yeah. So okay. But, are, but it's not really about, it's not really replacing a mic. Is that what you're telling it's me? It's not. No, there's no microphone. They're, they're strictly okay. audio monitoring. They're strictly right. headphones. Because most no people, microphone. if they're not in a noisy environment, you don't really need to hear. You can hear, I can hear you perfectly. I mean, most people we can hear fine. What we need is to be heard. Yes. Do you know what I mean? We need to be heard. Now, if you have hearing loss, Wearing a headset can make a huge difference for hearing people because, as we talked about earlier, not everybody's going to have good lighting. Not everyone's going to maximize their Internet. Not everybody's going to have good sound. For instance, if you move back away from the computer like I am and you do not have a mic, that mic in that computer cannot pick me up. It can pick me up fine if I'm a foot away from it, if I'm really close. But when I stand two feet back, it suddenly can't pick me up anymore. I just sound way too low. And so it wasn't meant to do that. So, you know, having an external mic like this is critically important because you definitely want to be, if you're a team leader and or you're presenting in any way, you want to be well heard. Yeah. So one other thing that I have a question about here is, uh, you know, in terms of audio, um, this is kind of the the presenting of yourself, but on the audio side of things, how would you say we need to be in terms of, you know, if we're reading something or if we're, I mean, some of us will be using teleprompter or looking at something, um, you know, in terms of inflection, in terms of pacing, in terms of, 
if we're reading a presentation and going through slides? Well, if you're reading it, you don't want to sound like you're reading, you know, and there's a there's an art to that. I mean, I in my media training, teach people how to read teleprompter because most people will read to the end of the, the line and then pause and pick up. And so that does not work. That sounds like you're reading the teleprompter. Yes, it helps you because you don't have. Uh, you can, you know, you can see all the words. You don't have to remember things. But the problem is, is there's a skill to teleprompter reading. <laughs> um, I did just find a really cool new app. I don't know if you know about it, but it's called Vodium. Have you heard of it? Vodium? No. V-O-D-I-U-M. Um, yeah, it's so cool. I just tested it today is for the first time. It's a teleprompter for your computer. So it, it, it stays right up top where the um, camera is. So it's like this little box and you can, you know, copy and paste your text in and then adjust the, you know, the font size and the speed. And you can like read a whole, it's, as much as you want, you can read a whole thing and it looks like you're looking right into the camera. I tested it and it worked and it was fantastic. So Vodium is something you should t- check out because if you're doing lots of presentations, you'll appreciate it. And, um, you know, people could also do video recordings with that because they could, you know, video themselves in quick time on their computer and then they could have that app laying over it and, you know, make it transparent and they can just go ahead and talk away, yeah. you know, and people can't see it. You can only see it. So I'm very impressed with this software. And these two women just started this company. And I wish I had known about it when I wrote my book, I would have written about it, but I didn't know about it, but it's really going to be handy for me personally. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll take a look and, you know, probably link that up in the show notes as well. Here. You should do that. You yeah. should link it. And you should also just go get the free trial and just check it out right now. They have a, like a free month trial. And so, um, yeah, it's really, it's really going to be a game changer for people who are presenting a lot and just have a lot of content and they want to stay on task. Yeah. It's easy well, to go off, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, it looks like there's, I mean, here's the thing. There's, we've talked audio, we've talked visual, we've talked, you know, some parts of both of those things. And we even threw in a little bit of tech and internet stuff there in the middle. But obviously the thing here is, is you've got so much more in the book and yeah. I want to direct people to that. And which again, oh, I'll link up to in the show notes. So where, where can people find out more about you and the work you're doing and grab a copy of the book, get a preview of the book, et cetera. Well, the book's on Amazon. And so that's easy, right? You can get the ebook or you can get the, um, you know, the, the paperback, um, full color paperbacks. You get lots of visuals, you get lots of visuals and that's great. Um, and, uh, kimfoley.com kimfoley.com is, you know, my, Oh, I've got something really good for people. That's free. It's on my website and it's a free download on, uh, etiquette for virtual meetings. And I'm telling you, it has been the most popular thing I've ever done. But I realized that people just didn't know how to broach the subject, you know, like employers didn't know how to say to people, I don't want you doing this anymore, you know, so they can take my guide, and just make that company policy, or they can edit it and, you know, put in the things they want to adapt and, you know, adopt and not, you know, adopt. But um, it's a guide for moderators for presentations, for speakers, and for attendees. So anybody attending a meeting, there is a protocol for what you should and shouldn't be doing there. Um, and so everybody should go to my site and just get that free thing because not only is it beautifully designed, <laughs> gorgeous <laughs> to look at, it's chock full of really good ideas and things that you should and shouldn't be doing. And then I go, you know, much more into it in my book. And I also um, talk about time management in my book. And um, you know, time management is the thing that it's a whole nother topic, but it's, it's something that people really do struggle with when they're working from home because it's so tempting to go do something else. Right. And then be late for a meeting. Oh gosh, I'm putting dinner in or, Oh, I'm throwing laundry in in between meetings. And now I'm late for the meeting. And you know, one of my rules is don't be late. Don't be late. It draws all the attention to you and away from the speaker. So don't make it about you. If it's not about you, don't, don't make it about you. So don't show up late unless it, it's absolutely unavoidable. Really make a point of being on time because it really screams professionalism to everyone. So I just am there to remind you gently. Yeah. Well, Kim, it's been amazing to to learn all of this and go through all this with you. I know that a lot of people are going to get a lot out of this and the book. And thank you so much for being here and, and sharing all your wisdom. Oh, thank you for doing your podcast. It's such a valuable resource. Thank you so much for having me.
Well, that's another podcast crossed off your podcast listening to-do list. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Kim Foley. I know that I really enjoyed talking with her. I do tons of meetings. I do live video and have been doing it for a long time, but even I learned stuff from this conversation. So I was grateful to talk with her and I hope that you got something out of it as well. If you did, would you do me the favor of sharing this with somebody else you know needs to up their virtual meeting game? Do them that favor of helping them out so that they're less stressed when it comes to doing virtual meetings. Hit the share button in your podcast player of choice or head on over to the show notes at beyondthetodolist.com. Thanks again for sharing. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you next episode. 